Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. What do we mean when we say that God is love? I don't know about you, but when people tell me God is love, I appreciate it. I think at different points in my life, it's really meant a lot to me. Uh, But more recently, when people say God is love, I don't know what to do with it because, well, love is so fluffy these days. There's no real substance behind it. What does it mean when we say generically that the deity, in fact, is love? Well, I think that Trinity Sunday is the best day to ask and answer this question. Today is one of those seven principal feast days I talked about way back on Ascension Day. And uh, yeah, it's a seven principal feast day, but it's another one that we don't really know about and we don't really know what to do with. When we think of the Trinity, we think of very abstract, conceptual notions that don't really hit us where we live. Well, I'm here today to say that the Trinity is the best news of all. And it really does hit you where you live. It hits us from the ground up and not from the top down. So, once again, what does it mean God is love? Or there's this Roman Catholic deacon, his name is Fritsch Beierschmidt. It's a really tough last name. Maybe you'll look it up if you're online and you can put it in the comments uh, how you actually say it. Uh, But he is fantastic. He wrote a book called The Love That Is God. So if you want more of what this sermon is doing, go read that book. But in that book, at the very beginning, when talking about the Trinity, Fritz says that the Trinity means that there's never been a time when God has not been loving. There's never been a time, or a time outside of time, whatever that means, where God has not been loving. On a basic level, you know what the Trinity is, three and one, one and three. It presents all kinds of philosophical problems, but fear not. Way back, way before Christ, Parmenides, the pre-Socratic philosopher, talked about the one and the many, both as opposites and as unity. So this isn't merely a Christian invention. In fact, the history of the scriptures seems to be the history of the ratification of Parmenides' thinking. About three of you really cared about that, but I'm one of those three, so there you go. (laughs) But what does it mean, three in one, one in three? I think a lot of times we have this notion that maybe God created us because God needed someone to love. That's bogus, according to the Trinity and according to Fritz. God has been in love since before there was time, beyond time. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit have been in this bond of love together with no lack, completely whole. There was no need for you and for me, and yet we were created Anyway, God gains nothing 
by our being, God accrues no benefits, and what this means is that you and I are contingent beings. We are not necessary. God is not codependent. And yet, God created you and me anyway because his very nature is love, and out of that love overflows love. This love is extended to messed up, fallen people like you and me because God cannot help but love. It's in God's nature. God is love. Now notice, I said God loves messed up, broken human beings. God created us good, as the scriptures say, and yet when we went it our own way, when we put ourselves in the place of God, when we told God, you don't need us, and we're tending to think that we don't need you. God does not tell us contingent, dependent beings, well, I don't love you anymore, like your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. Our Lord moves towards us despite the fact that so often we tell this person whom we obviously need that we don't need him. So God loves us, even when we go it our own way. This is the gospel that you're all familiar with. We preach it so often that none of this is a surprise. But I think what helps us understand the Trinity even more than what I've just said so far, again, God being in this relationship of love through the Spirit from before all time, God creating us and loving us, not because he needs us, just because what the heck. That's how loving God is. But I think for a lot of us, we're not really sure about all of this. We love Jesus, right? Jesus is the one who's for us. Jesus is the one who dies on the cross on our behalf and in our place. But we've got this notion in our minds that there's a difference between Jesus and the God of the Old Testament. We tend to think that there just might be a hidden God behind Jesus, whom he has to assuage. We see this even with our good theologies, right? When we talk about the wrath of God being poured upon Jesus, it's problematic, right? It's problematic because we put this dividing wall in between God the Father and God the Son. God the Son being the good guy who's for us. God the Father who's angry and needs to take it out on somebody. But the message of the Trinity, the good news that I have for you today, is that when we look at Jesus, the character of Christ is the character of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The good news of the Trinity is that there is no God hiding behind Jesus. There's no person of the Trinity who is different in essence or character than him. Which is all to say that God is not two-faced. God is not one way to you in front of you and then a different way behind your back when you're not looking. 
Now, I think we kind of all laugh about this and we think it's cute, but think about the last time you or someone you know woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning to fear and dread. And this is true whether you're secular or whether you're religious. For a lot of my secular family talks about the fact that they wake up to this overwhelming sense of dread. It might only be on occasion, but it's there and they don't know why. I think it's because of this. I think whether you're secular or religious, you have this fear. Because you, you wake up in the morning, all your defenses are down, you know what you've done to hurt other people, and you begin to think, man, I have it really coming. You get that kind of Johnny Cash notion, right? God's going to cut me down. And what Johnny Cash was talking about was probably a good cutting down, but you know what I mean. The good news of the Trinity is that when we look at the person and work of Christ, we are getting a complete image of God, of the Trinity, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is not our notion of the Old Testament God who's angry and out to get you. Get rid of that. What we see in Jesus is what we get. What we see in God is not if you remember the movie Amadeus, right? Amadeus, Moses' great rival in the film, acts very kind to Mozart's face. But in actuality, behind Mozart's back, he is trying to sabotage him at every turn. I know this sounds crazy, but I know that nine out of ten of us, this is what we really think about when we think about God. We are afraid that what we see in the person and work of Jesus is too good to be true. We are afraid that after we hear Jim or Jake preach about the radical good news of the gospel, we really do think it's too good to be true. Maybe Jesus is this way, but not the Father. Maybe not the Holy Spirit either. The Trinity, the good news of the Trinity is that God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit who have been in perfect loving relationship forever, who perfectly love you and me and just can't quit, have one will. They have one character. One essence. God is mercy. God is love. God is healing. And there's no hidden God behind that. And that is why, friends, we can lean our whole weight into the Trinity this is why we need no longer to tell ourselves, well, you know, I'll pray to Jesus because I don't know about God the Father. People have told me that to my face. And I just say, well, come to my next Trinity Sunday sermon or Jim's or Jake's. My friends, when we say, when we ask the question, what does it mean that God is love? The answer is the Trinity. God has never not known love. And God has not merely invited us into this love. God has called us and seized us into this place of love. And we see this throughout the scriptures. I know all of you are going to go, well, remember those times when God is angry in the Old Testament? Well, at times, God's angry in the New Testament. At times, Jesus is angry. And yet, he is always for us. And yet, God cannot quit us. 
So in addition to remembering, hopefully if there's anything you remember from this sermon, there is no hidden God behind Jesus Christ. But the other thing I'd like you to remember is that the witness of Scripture, both Old and New Testament, can really be summed up in three sayings. And I think this really gets at what the Trinity is all about. God is for us, God is with us, and God is in us. In the Old Testament, right, the creation story, Adam and Eve, humanity chooses to go our own way. We put ourselves in the place of God. And not just in that story, but think about Israel. Think about the people of God, ourselves. We've been called. We've been chosen. He's poured out his blessings upon us. We choose to go in our own way. And yet, that God, who, again, doesn't need us, God's not a codependent lover. God moves after the people of God in the Old Testament at every turn. Condemnation is never the final word. So as we see in the Old Testament, and when we think about the Old Testament, we think about God the Father, but it's really the whole Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is for us. What we see in Jesus Christ, most clearly, God with us, the Creator, mysteriously and incomprehensibly becomes one of the created. You remember the song, what if God was one of us? Well, God did become one of us in his Son. And as we see at the end of John 3.16 here, indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So God is for us in the Old Testament. God is with us in the person and work of Jesus, not to condemn, but to save. And as we saw last week, in God the Spirit, he is in us. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened on Pentecost has happened to you and to me. We who have been grafted in to the body of Christ. So my friends, this is really all I have to say. Everyone talks about how complicated the Trinity is, and just like, you know, if you dive into anything chemistry or scientific, if you go in super far, there's going to be a lot of technicalities, it's going to be difficult. Same thing with the Trinity. Big shock. But at the end of the day, where it hits us where we live, where the rubber meets the road, it's what I just said. When we look to our beloved Christ who is for us, no matter what. What we see there is what we get in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is for us. God is with us. God is in us. And this is true for you. This is true for me. What we see is what we get. So next time you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, or whatever it is for you, to fear, foreboding, and dread. Say what my mother told me to say. In the name of Jesus, be gone. For God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is for me. What I see in Jesus is what I get. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. Produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's, in the city of New York. 
If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.